This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. All right. Thank you all for being here right after lunch. How's everybody doing? Good group. Enjoying day two, Podcast Movement. Feel so great to be here. Uh, this is only my second ever, um, but it feels, yeah, it feels so great to be back and, and connecting with you all. Uh, our session today is with John Schnars from Pushkin. I'll let him introduce himself, uh, but we're going to be talking about the overall conversation and considerations that Pushkin's been, been making recently, uh, getting a bunch of back catalog episodes out into the world in video fashion and what things are going to look like uh, in the future. John. Hello. Uh, so yeah, thank you, Kevin. I'm John Schnars from Pushkin. I'm actually our chief business officer, so it's a it's somewhat of a unusual title, but I oversee sort of all the business functions, right? Finance, revenue, uh, and you know, video for us is is a area that I look at as a potential growth area, right? Getting the content out in different ways, eventually monetization, hopefully. Um, but yeah, as you know, it's a place that we're really starting to think about investing and in, and in, you know, going. I wouldn't say going bigger necessarily, but, but making sure we're participating in that ecosystem. So yeah, we're excited to talk. Cool. Awesome. Uh, I'm Kevin uh, O'Connell from Descript. I'm a product specialist there, uh, longtime audio producer and engineer, and stoked to be here with my team. Marcel's here. <laughs> and we have a booth downstairs if you'd like to check out Descript. Uh, we're going to touch a little bit on Descript and the role it played in this project. Uh, in this talk, but if you want to check out the app, it's an audio and video editing platform. And I should caveat up front, I, I signed the Descript partnership agreement, but I am not the day-to-day -day user of Descript, but, uh, but I, I can speak a lot about how our producers are using it and, and the excitement we have for uh, working with you all. Amazing. Amazing. All right, uh, John, I'd love to hear the state of the union at Pushkin right now. Like, what... What has life at Pushkin like been generally? Um, there's probably some folks here that also aren't as familiar or are overly familiar with Pushkin, like myself. Um, get us up to speed on what Pushkin does and where y'all have been the last little bit. That's, we're starting high level. Yes. That's the top level. Um, so yeah, Pushkin, we're about three and a half years old. Um, and I joined, uh, well, we're coming up on our fourth birthday, I should say. I joined about three and a half years ago. Um, we started, you know, founded by Malcolm Gladwell, Jacob Weisberg. Um, Malcolm, when we started the company, we had revisionist history. It was sort of like a core asset that, that allowed us to kind of get a little bit of a running start into the space. And so starting from, you know, with one podcast, essentially, uh, on the network to we'll probably end the year at about 27 shows this year. Um, the team has grown. We're, we are now just over 80 people all in. About 60 of those are producers or folks sort of working creatively day to day. Uh, the rest of us are the back office team supporting them and, you know, making sure we're, we're getting the bills paid and, and keeping the lights on. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it's, been, it's been a pretty wild ride. That's a lot of growth. I mean, to go from zero employees to 80 in, in a couple of years is, is quick. Um, you know, when they founded the company, it was very much with this idea of being a, an audio production company. And so uh, we are in podcasts, and like I said, we'll be, we're approaching 30 active shows. Um, we also make audio books, um, and we use the, the Descript tools in that, uh, in that 
line of business, and then we do some stuff on what we call custom content, but you know, work for hire, brand partnerships, those types of things, but um, always trying to set a high bar around the, the sound quality and, and the creative itself. Cool. And, and for you, why, why Pushkin? What, what led you there and why, are you, why do you love it? Uh, oh, it's like a therapy <laughs> session almost. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, my, I, had a, I had a decade-long career in advertising. Um, I actually, you know, I'm relevant for the conversation today. I, I was at Google for about five and a half years. I spent two years at YouTube back in 2012 time range. Uh, and so, you know, it's been, it's been a little while. Like, they've, they've grown a lot since I left. Um, uh, but no, I, I, when I was thinking about making a career change, um, I really wanted to be back in a content forward organization, a, a, a company that was making things and, and, you know, doing interesting creative stuff. And, you know, meeting Jacob and Malcolm, they, they wanted someone, frankly, like they, I think what they liked is I was not coming with like a sort of like traditional media background. And so we, we like to take very creative approaches to things. We do different types of deals and, mm-hmm. Uh, I always say we're always open for business. We're we're interested in hearing anything and everything. So, um, so yeah, it's been fun. I mean, I, I literally I've never had more fun in my career than working with the team that we have at Pushkin. It's it's great. Mm. So cool, so cool. Uh, some some backstory on our our conversation today. We've been working with Pushkin in the last few months to get all 60 episodes, back catalog episodes of Revisionist History, onto YouTube um, in a, a low lift format. So you can you can see all those now on Malcolm's channel. I don't know; they're all there yet. Oh, We've, it's true. The videos are created. I mean, we it's, we'll talk about, it, but yeah. Yeah, it's true. They're not all they're not all on uh, yet. They're coming. They're, oh, they're they're coming. It turns out YouTube does not want you. Or the, the advice from the YouTube folks is you don't just drop it all on there once. They you know you got to have a strategy of of getting the content up. I mean, so we've actually been doing video for a while, um, probably something a little over two years. Largely, that effort started with our marketing team um, who had the, the need of, you know, video content, shorts, like snackable stuff for social and for marketing. Um, and increasingly, though, we saw YouTube as an opportunity to grow audience, you know, connect with new listeners. Um, and Broken Record, which is one of our sort of original, you know, flagship shows we do with Rick Rubin, Malcolm, Bruce Headlam as hosts. Um, it's a music show, and so YouTube felt like a really natural place for that. And so we had been on YouTube and, and had been experimenting with stuff for, like I said, the last two years. And so as YouTube has been out starting to talk about wanting to be more involved in podcasts, the conversation started with you all really really quickly from there around how the hell are we going to get, you know, something like, you know, you hit on it, Revisionist History, it's a super highly produced show. It is not something, you know, transparently, I don't think we're ever, we're never going to do a full video version of that. That's like a... I mean, it's like a TV show. Like, Netflix can buy that maybe. If, yeah. if they want to call us, we're here for it. But um, so, the, um, so what we had to think through is for this, like, very dense, you know, audio experience, what, what could the visual experience, you know, like, we could have put it up there with a, with a um, still image. And there are, there are podcasts up there with still images on some of our pages. But uh, we really liked what you all had put together, some of the tools that you had built, which we had used in social content it felt like, all right, this is a way to start to bring some visual flair to, to this experience, so. Cool. Uh, the, the answers uh, seem pretty obvious, especially with a lot of the, the conversations we've been having this week around video and YouTube, but why YouTube for Pushkin? Why, is, why has that been the landing place for specifically this project? 
I mean, the audience is there, right? Like, it's a huge platform, um, and it is a, I guess you would say, democratized platform. Like, you can, it's, it's, it's open, right? You can get, you can get the content there um, easily, and, and they, what, what we're excited to see, and I, we're in the early stages of this, is YouTube's out, I think, talking a lot about being in podcasts, and they, they launched this podcast page this week. Um, there's been, I've seen lots of studies that talk about the amount of podcast consumption on, on YouTube. For Pushkin, that's not been a core place that our content has been consumed. Um, and so it's a little bit of like, we're, gonna, we're making the investment and, and the YouTube team has worked very collaboratively to help us get onto the platform in, in you know, the ways that we think make sense right now. Um, but we need to see, like we're gonna see how that evolves over time. So Broken Record right now, I think the channel has, a, it's between 80 and 90,000 subscribers, I believe, you know, and so that, that's great traction after, you know, a year or so, uh, you know, almost two years of, of activity. Um, we, we launched over the last several months a Malcolm Gladwell page, which is where the Revisionist History back catalog and the new episodes from this season are living. Um, we've launched a uh, Maya Shankar page, which is Slight Change of Plans show, and then Dr. Laurie, San Dr. Laurie Santos, she actually already had a page that she was like not doing anything with, and we have sort of like, hey, we can help you. And so now Happiness Lab um, is going to be increasingly getting up there using some of the same techniques as well. So, um, but no, I mean, we're gonna see, right? Like, is it, is it, from my perspective as the, the business guy in the room, like, is it gonna drive revenue on, you know, day one or even day 180? Like, we'll see. Um, but I do feel really good that there's, it's going to help get our content in front of an audience that might not be experiencing it other places, right? So um, that's first and foremost that's in, in why we're thinking about it. The, the efforts are being led by our marketing team right now in collaboration with the producers. Um, and so we'll see, you know, we're, we're gonna evaluate it as we go along and we'll, you know, push harder, we'll, we'll you know, draw back, I mean, depending on how things start to play. And, and what, are you, what are you looking for in this preliminary early stage of Pushkin's venture into video? Like what kind of metrics, engagement, you know, how's the, the team thinking and feeling about yeah. it? Yeah. Well, look, I, I was, I our experience with Broken Record has been really, really positive. We, yeah. we had this like, pretty early experience where we had an episode with Andre 3000 that came out in, I wanna say like May or June of 2020. This was like, you know, peak pandemic time. So we were, everyone was like at their house and it really popped on YouTube. Like, like more YouTube consumption than we would see in the podcast consumption. And we saw that flowing downstream because that episode outperformed other episodes. Yeah. And so that's immediately, you're like, oh, interesting. Like that's what it looks like when this goes well. Um, so I think, look, we're, we would love to see that, right? Do I think that's gonna happen for like, you know, an episode of revisionist history? I mean, maybe, right? Maybe it allows a new, you know, cohort of consumer to find that content. We, look, we feel really good that it's great content. Um, but getting that in front of new listeners is always a challenge, and so um, that's that's step one. Um, you know, and then what can we do with those audiences, right? Like the, it, it, whether that's whether it's we're bringing folks from the podcast and they're finding some of this video content on YouTube, or it's net new. Like, are there ways we can begin to engage with them and, and speak to them that pull them through and, and help them engage more generally with Pushkin and with our other other shows and things? So. We'll see. Um, what was the consensus on that that broken record episode with Andre 2000? Like, how did that? I think people loved it. I mean, yeah. when you say consensus, do you mean the users or internally? Internally. <laughs> no, inter we were legitimately shocked, pleasantly so, and and like could not have been happier, right? Um, 
it's it's and so this is true across all of our shows and 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 why you know we we're really happy to be partnering with you all on getting the video like even broken record which is effectively a, a chat show, or an interview show right it's it's rick speaking to andre 3000 um it's you're not gonna like it's very hard to get someone like Andre 3000 especially like to to agree to a full video interview it's just a different thing right and so the the um the level of conversation and the depth and the sort of candor that you get in a in a audio interview i think you know gives it a different quality um but capturing some audio visual as part of that making that part of the experience and then using that to like feed this funnel and and pull users through into the long, longer version of the podcast. Um, it's just like an opportunity. It seemed very, you know, in retrospect, it's like obvious, but for us, it was not obvious, right? We were a podcast company and, and we, we make audio. Um, I was saying to Kevin before, like, I, the thing that I, as a business person, get a little nervous about is this, the constant drumbeat around video as like, we, you gotta be doing video, you gotta be doing video. Well look like we we've built an audio production company like we're not a video production company yeah. and like guess what that's real expensive i know a little bit about what that looks like um and it's it's a different cost structure and and you know and and longer term pnl model and all that so um we've you know just to hit on it quickly we have retained a video production group that is going to be working with us on more like shoulder content to go alongside. So, right. so using Revisionist as an example, we're, we're really excited to get the back catalog up there to have all of Revisionist consumable on YouTube. That's kind of, that's like a, it's just something. And we can talk about some of the other reasons we we think there's some benefits there. But going forward, I think we're we're going to be getting all the full episodes up. We're also going to be producing shorter form content as both marketing, but I, we think also just exciting, interesting content. Malcolm's very passionate about it, so. I don't, you know, sometimes when he gets excited, like that's all you need. <laughs> wild things happen. It, it can, yeah, it's so, um, yeah. So we'll see how that goes. But that's something we're planning for next year, um, alongside, like I said, the full content. Just to hit on it really quickly, like one of the other benefits we've seen of getting our content up on YouTube is that it was our content was getting ripped and posted to YouTube <laughs> illicitly, right? So like now that we're in the ecosystem in an official way, we're able to sort of piggyback on the content ID stuff and make sure that our material is not being used and monetized uh, by, I don't know, what, what passionate fans or, or folks who have less, uh, you know, yes. pure motives. I'm sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> we get it. Wasn't me, wasn't me. Um, I mean, the, looking at a back catalog project like this one, we're you know, taking 60 episodes, applying some visuals, uh, planning, planning release, obviously that's in hindsight, right? It's like we, this, this podcast has been produced for years and audio is the focus and just trying to get onto another platform. As you make considerations for the future, what kinds of conversations are happening internally for when video is introduced into the conversation? As the business person, the one thing I can say is that all of our agreements that go out now have audiovisual language in them. Um, so it's just like sort of baked into our deal process. That's like the least sexy part of the answer, I guess. Um, 
No, but increasingly we are asking producers and the teams and the hosts that they work with to be thinking about what, you know, they don't, look, we, we're not saying come up with a video strategy tomorrow or else, like where the show isn't going, you know. It's like at, this is an important part, certainly of the marketing process, um, but also just building the brand around this show. And so, um, you know, we are building it increasingly into the creative process. Mm -hmm. I think from just a pure nuts and bolts production standpoint, so virtually all of our teams use Descript as just an editing tool for creating the audio content. And so it puts us in this great position to be able to create these sort of uh, um, caption videos, that, you know, which as, as um, easy as the tool makes it, which I've seen, and, and it really, it, I mean, I was, it was, it's remarkable like how quickly and easily you can kind of get this stuff up. Um, you know, it's, they're also visually interesting, right? And it is, it is there. And so we have that now as like a baseline. Like every show that's edited in Descript, like that version exists, you can export that. And our marketing team who's doing most of this video translation stuff can get that up pretty quickly. I think then the next question is like, okay, where can we or how can we capture, maybe it's still images, maybe it's a, you know, some other type of content, whether it's from an interview, um, and use that in collaboration with the with the the text, right? Because you, you can drop in all different kinds of backgrounds, and you know, so you can speak to that more than I can. But certainly, come come to the booth. We can <laughs> we can we can dig in. I mean, uh, the conver a conversation we're having a lot with studios like Pushkin is this kind of renaissance in hiring, where they have exclusively been working with and hiring pro audio producers, engineers, etc., writers. And this last year, two years of hiring for different projects or, or assembling teams, folks are able to bring on writers from different areas, different industries that have different backgrounds. Um, and to continue to, to Descript's horn, making that possible by using a, a, a transcript-based editing tool. How do you think the, the shape and kind of makeup of the team is going to shift in any way? Obviously, audio is core to Pushkin's mission, but do you think that some of the folks that are audio producers are going to be delving a bit into video? What's that I think like? I think they're very excited about it, right? Yeah. I mean, we have a, a you know great group of talented producers, uh, you know, some young, some who've been doing this a, a long time. Everybody wants to learn, right? Like they're they love seeing a new tool. There's nothing they love more than like a new like what's you know. Oh, like is new mixing and new whatever, you know, like, so the ability to kind of wade into video or audiovisual, you know, components or, or add-ons to what they're building, I think is really exciting. Some of our teams are like honestly going wild on what they want to do with video and you almost have to like dial them back a little bit. <laughs> Guys, we're still a podcast business first and foremost. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, and, I, and then, you know, to the point on hiring, like I think what will be really interesting to see is like how it evolves over time, right? Like, I, I mean, as you hit on, like some folks come from a video background and like have migrated into audio. Mm -hmm. Most of our folks are sort of like audio first or maybe audio only in their career. Um, but I do think... It, it's 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 going to become a much more sort of blended, I don't know, uh, free flowing experience between the two. And so yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see from a talent standpoint how that yeah. evolves. Cool. What, what what kind of challenges do you think are are ahead from both the business and content perspective um, as a company? You know, it's, there's 85 
folks and staff at Pushkin, like what kind of challenges are ahead for a company of that size and making the type of work that you all do? Well, I mean, as, as I said when we started, like we have, we're approaching 30 shows. Wow. If you have to have a video program or a video strategy for 30 different shows, it's a lot. Like, yeah. so that's from a purely business perspective, I get a little nervous. I'm like, do we, I don't know that we're sort of in the right, or, you know, a, a good place to necessarily have that. So that this is why we've sort of rolled out in the way that we're rolling out. We're, we're focusing on our biggest shows, you know, where we have the biggest audience and, and sort of starting there. Let's see how that goes. Um, let's see what kind of response or return that can drive, both economic and, and sort of from an audience standpoint. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we'll go from there and we'll kind of work our way down the line. Um, so I, that is a challenge. It's just, and what will be very, I'm very interested, what I'm watching very closely is like, what are other, what are our competitors doing? Like, mm. I tend to not think, I mean, I, I don't love to think about the pod, like the podcast space as people are seeing this week, it's like a very collegial, like collaborative environment. And um, it's sort of, it's like TV and other types of media, right? Like just cause you read one book or you watch one show doesn't mean you aren't watching something else that you want to watch. But, um, and so in the, I think of the podcast space in the same way, I do think that if, I'll be very interested if other, producers, production shops really do start to differentiate by what they're doing in video. Like we're, we want to see what that looks like. Mm. We try, we want to be leaders. Like we want to be creative innovators, but you know, this is not, this is new for us and yeah. it's not necessarily something that's core to our DNA right now. And so that, that's another challenge. It's just kind of responding to how things evolve and, and frankly where the listenership, the consumption evolves as well. I know I have my own my own wishes for what Pushkin shows add visual elements, um, you know maybe some companion pieces. Uh, but in, in your eyes, are there creators and teams do you think at, currently at Pushkin making shows that are going to lend themselves more to introducing visual elements in the near future? Well, I mean, we we talked about you know I hit on broken record. That's mm -hmm. a place where we started, and I think frankly, like the team there has more ideas than they know what to do with, and some of the challenges. You know, as I was saying, like, um, it, you know, it's like getting the interview guests and, and the hosts themselves, in our case, to kind of come along for that ride. And so we're also thinking about ways that, you know, some of that stuff could be done internal, like internal only or using some of our staff potentially. Um, yeah, I mean, all any show that we're doing as as a uh, interviewer discussion show, we, we really are trying to capture a lot more of that audio. Um, we are in the process. This is... I mean, it's not like super secret news, but we're in the process of building um, a big production facility in New York, probably be ready sometime in the spring. And, and like one part of that is like wiring the studio for, with cameras. Mm -hmm. um, and so as we do more recording in studio, as we transition away from our COVID production protocols, like um, our hope is we'll capture a lot more and, and frankly, I don't know, maybe simulcast, maybe live events that are obviously have video components. Um, all that is stuff that we're thinking about. Um, I don't know, from a content perspective, the hardest part for us sometimes is like, which hosts want to do what? And like what, what we can convince them to do. We're actually, um, and we're, this, we're not an innovator or necessarily a leader in this space, but we're, we're, for some of the net new content that we're looking at, we're almost looking at like who are YouTube creators who could be interesting fits for Pushkin to ex for, to bring them into a podcast yeah. uh, ecosystem um, and and learn from what they do in video and and help them understand you know how these two mediums could potentially work together. So that's that's you know net new. 
in wow. theory. Will you be offering tours of this new space in New York? I mean, for you, yeah, of course, man. Invite? Let's do it. We're, <laughs> yeah, it's um, we're we're expanding our current office space is uh, is very very small. We signed before uh, the pandemic, and we've grown a lot during the pandemic, and now. We're in this like push and pull of like, we would like people to come back to the office, but we don't have that many desks. Um, and so we're taking over the rest of the floor. Uh, hopefully we'll have a general contractor by the end of this week and then we can start <laughs> making stuff. But yeah, it's coming. Well, in, in addition to you know, everything we've been talking about, video considerations, new space, growing team, what are you personally most excited about in, in the coming years at Pushkin? Um, I think, so some of the things we're thinking about for next year that I'm really excited, I think we're going to try, we've launched a lot of new shows, and most of our focus as a network has been on growing and, and find, you know, identifying, you know, new franchises or, you know, new things we can build. We're going to, I think we're going to take a really hard look at can and how, if and how we can grow the existing shows. So revision is, I sort of hit on, like, more video content. Like, what does that look like? What does that feel like? And what does that do for revisions? Which, at this point, it's a, it's going into its eighth year of being, you know, of being in production. Like that's a long time in, in podcast years. Um, so that's something we're really excited about. I hit a little bit earlier, but I, I you know, our audiobooks business um, is is a much more nascent operation for us. Um, we've done some really cool stuff. Uh, Supporting Cast, another technology partner that we, we feel really strongly about, uh, is giving away Miracle and Wonder as a, as a giveaway downstairs, which is one of our audiobooks. I would encourage folks to get that. And we've got some really exciting stuff coming in that space. And, you know, for me on the business side, like, that's a place where we have to be more creative and more, we have to, there is a lot more innovation to come just in the business model um, because it's, it's a little more unsettled than the podcast spaces. So I'm excited. Sure. Cool. Uh, we're, we're getting close to a, a Q&A section. I want to make sure we have lots of time for, for folks to ask questions. Not every day we get to pick the brain of, of folks from Pushkin. Uh, in a public forum, nonetheless. My email is out there. What are some words of advice that you typically give, maybe starting with, with, with folks that are creators that are already making shows that are perhaps coming to pitch Pushkin, um, what are some of the, the things that you're looking for and thinking about? Oh boy, that's a tough one. That's loaded. I mean, look, there. well, I mean, I, I, I can at least keeping on the theme of video, like, I think we all have to be thinking seriously about like the role that video can play for the shows, right? And so, you know, we, we talked a lot about YouTube and getting the content on YouTube and all the benefits of that, but also, you know, Spotify's thinking about video a lot. Um, uh, the role that video in short form can play in marketing. We've been having a lot of success on reels and we apparently have a TikTok channel, which I think they're called channels. Someone else probably knows a lot more about this than I do, but um, you can't not do it. I mean, like, and we're, look, we're a big operation. Like we have a bit, you know, we have a marketing team that that's what they think about day to day. Um, but I think even as a, as an individual or an indie podcast creator, like, it's a tool and and you got to find the right fit for for you and your business and and then you got to find the workflows that you can execute mm -hmm. using tools like Descript. Short plug. And <laughs> I had to get it in. <laughs> and and how about for folks that are in in the business world in podcasting, maybe working for a studio or agency, startup, 
what kind of what kind Hit of things you looking for? Hit me up and let's commiserate. <laughs> um, well, like, you know, I sort of said like I'm I, I'm taking like we're we're investing in video and like we're we're going to be thinking about it a lot. But I also I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to what it looks like and how we're measuring ROI. And uh, so I would encourage I would encourage other folks to do the same. Um, yeah, I don't know. I got I got lots of other advice, but hey, you need more pointed <laughs> questions, maybe. Yeah, DM John on the podcast yeah. movement app. Ask your questions. I'm out there. Yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, I'd love to to open it up for for some questions. Um, we'll also be hanging out for a bit after this, and we have a couple more, a few more sessions in this track and, and elsewhere. Um, but yeah, I'd love to look, open up for questions. The crowd goes wild. You can walk, it's okay. Hi, David Johnson with Kixum ADHD. We're in the process of thinking about using transcripts and we used another platform. Sorry, I didn't, didn't know about Descript. So we used another platform to get a, a lot of our top episodes transcribed already. So thinking about onboarding onto a, pro, or onto a platform like Descript, is that, do we toss those machine uh, you know, transcripts or, and, and just upload content or, do, or is there some way to kind of navigate that? Great, great question. Uh, well, like through the, through the lens of this project with Pushkin, we're bringing in published MP3s of these old episodes. Transcription is spit out by Descript, um, and we're not doing any editing. We're not, you know, assembling an episode or pulling selects or anything like that. We're just getting the transcriptions audio attached, but we're using a, a white glove feature to get pro handmade transcription by a human because there are so many, so many terms in these revisionist episodes that AI transcription is not gonna snag. Just, it's just not gonna happen. So we, we put it through a lens of, let's have a, we use, we use Rev on our backend, no secret. Oh, same, yeah, so that's the platform we're on. We're doing the same thing right now, editing you know, by hand, mm -hmm. pieces. Amazing, yeah, so we, we work with the folks on their transcription team and get studios like Pushkin really polished 99.9% .9 accurate transcripts um, that just make it easy to go through. And when we have those captions burned in for uh, the videos on YouTube, they are always accurate. We're not relying uh, on another upload process, SRT or VTT, or automated captions. So kind of keeping everything in-house contained so that that final video is, is polished up. Yeah. So, so no way of migrating from our Sadly not, no. Hi. I'd love to ask you a Descript question. Sure. I just started using it. And uh, I used to do my transcriptions by hand. My experience of do doing it with AI is very frustrating because <laughs> it's taking me, it has taken me, I mean, now we're getting transcripts via Rev. So I'm using Descript to pull my clips. Then, then my producer goes to Rev, gets me the transcripts. We pull them back into Descript. Then I pull everything into logic, which does not give me what I need that Descript gives me, yeah. and edit there. There must be a better way. Help. Please come to our booth after this. Okay, deal. <laughs> I'm going to save your life. <laughs> yes. I mean, from a production standpoint, Pushkin and many other studios are bringing in raw tape from interviews, from the field, from wherever and using Descript as the assembly and editing tool. So using text-based editing to 
put together their episodes, collaborate on a team. Some of these teams are five, 10 folks working on a single show at the same time. Um, and getting everybody in one place as the source of truth instead of bouncing to this program, to this app, and going to this website, pulling your transcription. Yeah, but let's, let's talk. <laughs> Hi, uh, Keith Anker, Augmented City. So you guys are moving into video, and one of the things I've noticed uh, doing both video and audio is there's definitely, a, there's definitely a different writing process for audio versus video. You have to take dif different things into consideration. So when you're sending out your new contracts, are you asking creators to think about it from both perspectives as they're writing, or do you accept that they're gonna write for one and you're gonna have to make the adjustments for the next when you move into it? We're, I guess the, the easiest thing to say is like, we're audio first, right? So we're putting primacy on the podcast or that, that final audio product. Um, it's something that could evolve, right? Like, I sort of doubt we'll get to a universe where we're going to ask someone to do two different versions or like to have like slightly slightly different script. Um, I think we will probably, for the foreseeable future, be sort of audio. The the I mean, <laughs> we don't need to get too deep into the contractual language, but it's pretty general. It's pretty f broad. It's sort of like we we will collaborate on audiovisual accompaniment for the audio. Um, it's, but it usually keeps the audio first, and then the audiovisual stuff is like an add-on, follow-on. So are you creating the video stuff as, as additional content to it, or as a, a, a videoized version of the audio product? It's a case-by-case -case basis, I would say. Um, in some instances, we are doing additional content. Um, and that will live only on YouTube or may, you know, may live in other video areas. But um, most of the time, it's we just need to make sure that the, the host, the, the creator understands that we're, we're ultimately at some point may want to have video accompaniment with the main product itself. But it, honestly, every conversation we're having right now has a slightly different yeah. angle to it. I mean, it's, it just depends. And I know from my knowledge, a lot of the, the producers at Pushkin are, they kind of have like a, a, a production insurance policy where they're grabbing video during a lot of their interviews in case, because a lot of it is, is so exploratory and so open-ended um, that audio first product for sure, but a lot of their, their, their storage is filled with video interview files, you know, that they're thinking about and mulling well, over. And I mean, our marketing team has been like on, yeah. that took that took like yeah. years to get them to the, yeah. the producers to get to that point. But like our, because our marketing team looks at it as like, hey, like let's post something on Twitter. That's just like, here's a video of us working with so-and-so. You know, I mean, it, it's always, that's always just like great content to have as a mm -hmm. bonus, so. Just throw it. Just throw it? This room's big. Hi, my name's Calvin. I'm with an agency in Nashville and a uh, question for you. So we are building our own agency podcast and a lot of our guests are from out of town. They're not local and we're doing audio basically and do the Zoom thing. So we decided to start creating animated uh, illustrations of each of our guests. Cool. And so we think it's cool, however, it's easy to make a one-minute clip 
of animation versus one for the whole podcast. Sure. So my question is, do we stay with the one minute clip and use it to bring people to the podcast or do we really invest in animating the entire podcast? I mean, I can tell you what the YouTube people would want you to do. Right, but, uh, I know that. <laughs> um, yeah, that's tough. We've, we've looked at animation solutions for some of our pods as well because we actually think it could be a really interesting uh, accompaniment. Um, it is expensive <laughs> to do, at least in our experience. Um, I don't know. I, well, my, the, my best suggestion might be to try both and just see, right? I mean, that's as a former advertising media buyer, I love the good test and learn strategy. And so like to the extent you can try that and see what works um, it, and you know, how clean an experiment you'll get in that case is, is hard. But um, yeah, I mean, you might just have to do what you can do for the time being and see how it goes. And it's like the age old podcast trope, but knowing the audience obviously is, is number one for everything that we're making. And I know, for us, a lot of the businesses that we work with use Descript to make like training and learning development videos, right? Where they're training their, their team um, internally and their animation chops and just production that they're putting into animation is incredible. Like original characters, plot lines, they're expanding multiple seasons and it works really well for them. It's, it's, it's creating another layer to something that is required of their team. They need to, you know, reach all hundred or ten thousand folks on the team worldwide, maybe. Um, so keeping keeping the the bar high was really important to them, and it is working really, really well. So, yeah. Any others? Hi, I'm Brandon. Uh, could you talk a little bit about the kind of IP development pipeline? You kind of joked about Netflix could pick something up in the future, but do you have any concerns around not leaving meat on the bone for those eventual video productions and how you're thinking about that? I would say at this stage, it's not something we're super duper worried about, right? I mean, um, and and some of this is like if there's a long not not so long but there's there is some history of like YouTube creators flowing up into you know other types of uh, media TV film stuff so it you know I I almost think the benefit could go the other way which is to say there are th like using revisions as an example there's 60 60 back catalog episodes we got 10 more this year so it's you know 70 there's 70 episodes. There's a lot of ideas that the team doesn't flesh out into a full episode, but that could live as a video short, um, and that that's just more IP. Like that 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 helps grow the overall revisionist sort of umbrella, um, and so I think there's almost probably more benefit. There's also the benefit of, you know, helping a a uh, theoretical buyer, theoretical you know media partner, see a different type of creative treatment and go ah like oh that. I see, you know, it started here in audio. This is what it looks like in video. And then, like, what if we put a lot more investment behind that? Like, where could it eventually go? Um, so I don't know. I, I would say it's probably mostly upside at this point. I mean, it, I guess in theory, like, that, that could be an issue, right? Or, and, and maybe it's something that ultimately you have to, 
you pull some videos down, you know, at some stage if a buyer's like, yeah, you know, we'd rather this not exist. Okay. That all comes with the price. Or maybe there's a dollar amount next to that. So, um, Could you talk about the sort of approaches that you're considering or using? I, and I apologize. I haven't seen any of the revisionist content that's the back catalog that's been moved. But, like, animation was mentioned. Are there some other, like, general techniques that you're, that you're considering or testing? Well, I mean, for, what, for this project that we've been doing with Descript, I mean, we, they are purely transcript, it's, it's sort of animated, animate, I don't know how, it, what's the, like what's, the, it's moving text, yes, I'm like animated text, Wait, how do you, what's the, what's the appropriate Our, our Descript branded term is fancy captions. <laughs> there you go, there's some the, fancy captions. For their captions. <laughs> but, and, and again, I'm not the pro user of the tool, but I spent some time with the team this week as they were going through some of these videos, it's pretty wild, like you can do a lot of stuff with the fancy text, like it gets pretty fancy. And so for us, the question we're always having to think through as we're, and as we're doing this at scale, is like, what's the right amount of effort to like get this looking visually interesting versus just like, let's get some stuff up right now. Um, and we can always go back and redo them. Like if we're like, hey, it would be better if like, you know, there's like bolding and underlining, you can do all kinds of like text modifications. Um, we might, you know, decide we want to make changes down the line. It's totally doable. Thank you. Yeah, we, we have a lot of text animation uh, expansion, I guess you want to say, coming down the pike. That's going to be very cool for you. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess you answer my question as you continue talking. Descript, I've used Descript and kind of fell out of it because I, I use what I was used to. But Descript does fancy text. I can do a fancy text animation with Descript. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, Real so fancy. you two sit next to each other. I'm gonna come to your you booth, booth too. Yeah, yeah. Because I could use that. That's a reactivation right there. I think it that's is. what they call it. That's that. exactly that's it. it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think this will be our our last question, and then we'll talk to you all after. Hey guys, this is Inigo. I'm from Mexico City. I'm, I produce narrative shows. And I'm wondering, um, for, for, from the business perspective, someone like Pushkin Industries, um, have you ever wondered about trying to penetrate this half a billion market of Spanish speakers? Because we could, honestly, we could really use like, high quality content to educate the demand side. And um, if so, how can I help you do that? <laughs> and thanks the script, because um, you, you guys are pushing, um, well, I'm updating it for Spanish speaker users, so that's great. The short answer is yes, we've thought about it a little bit. Um, it's, on the business side, it's been hard to kind of figure out the model, because look, like it's expensive to produce these shows. To reproduce them, it, it, when we've like kicked the tires on it, like it's still pretty expensive. It's not, you know, and so understanding the ROI on on what that would look like is tough. I think having an alternate language translation that sits on top of the English language audio, like that's a that's a nice short term solution. It's certainly not getting us to where we would want to be, but it's something we've we've definitely thought about, and we're interested uh, in what what you would think about it too. Actually, so let me know. He says, let's talk. Yeah. <laughs> cool. That feels like a great place to, to wrap up. Thank you all for being here. Let's hear it for John. Thank you.
and we'll see you all around.